Hello, I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, but for more info and business brunch related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. My name is Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment and indeed the Oxford Business Community Network. And my name is Mike Foster, the Entrepreneur's Mentor. Now our show introduces you to local trusted experts whilst also discussing topical issues that are impacting on local businesses right here in Oxfordshire. Now I'm really looking forward to today's show as I've seen up close the work of the experts we're welcoming to today's show and I know that they will be sharing their knowledge, experience and expertise as they generally do within the sector that they work in. But plus they also very um, closely work together already so I'm sure it's going to be a great discussion in the show. So to um, tell you who we're welcoming today, our guests are Nicola McConville, who's a partner at Mish Condorea, Sue Staunton, who's the Joint Managing Partner at James Cowper Creston, and Sarah Hayward, who's the Managing Director at Advanced Oxford. Now, Ben, my usual question for you, it's been a few years since I chaired VentureFest and worked in the science and tech sector. So what's the latest news around the important sector for the Oxfordshire economy? That's a great question, Mike, um, and a question that I'm sure the listeners are dying to hear more about from Nicola, Sue and Sarah. Um, and I'm sure both of them, uh, so all three of them, will share great insight um, into the sector and what's happening within their own organisations. Um, this is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. We'll be welcoming our guests after this. Get Radio! Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um we're really, really delighted um, today to be joined by three guests to talk all about um, tech in, in Oxford. Um, so let's start by giving the three of you a chance to introduce yourselves and the businesses that you represent. So um, Nicola, can we start with you? Um, welcome. Can you please give the listeners a brief overview of yourself um, and indeed your business? Sure. So I'm Nicola McConville. I'm a partner at the law firm uh, Mishkon Dorea. Um, and I spend my life um, advising uh, companies and investors um, who work in the technology space, uh, largely where companies um, have IP um, as a central or a core asset to what they do. Thank you so much. Um, and same again um, for you, Sue. Um, please introduce yourself um, and indeed the business you're representing. Thanks, Ben. I'm Sue Staunton. I'm managing partner of James Cooper Creston, who are a firm of accountants and business advisors with offices throughout the Thames Valley, London and Southampton. And we've got a particular specialism in working with technology based businesses. So those businesses that are innovative and, as Nicola said, based on some form of intellectual property. And I spend a lot of my time with very exciting businesses working in that sector. Amazing. Thank you so much. And last but not least, Sarah. Hello, I'm Sarah Haywood. I'm the Managing Director of Advanced Oxford. We are a business group bringing together companies, organisations and institutions from across the whole of Oxfordshire. What they all have in common is that they're focused on science and technology, so on bringing together innovation activities 
and turning uh, new ideas into new products and services. Uh, our mission is to bring insight, the perspective and evidence from business into all forms of decision making so that we can ensure that Oxfordshire continues to be an absolutely brilliant place for companies to turn science into new uh, activities. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm now going to go back to you, Nicola, um, for the last part of this section, um, which is where you're first up to choose a song for our listeners. Um, so what is your song choice and why have you picked it? Uh, so I'm going to start with a nice cheery tune um, because it is a beautiful spring day in Oxfordshire. So I'm going to go with Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. Oxfordshire Station, get radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. Before that song, you were listening to the introductions of our expert guests today, um, Nicola, Sarah and Sue. And um, then we heard the song chosen by Nicola and hopefully you were all dancing as much as I was in the kitchen. But anyway, on to our roundtable today, where we're going to be talking about quite a generic theme of around science and tech businesses right here in Oxfordshire and how they're contributing to the Oxfordshire economy so importantly. And Nicola... I'm going to come to you with the first question, really, because it leads on from a conversation we were having with Ryan Johnson last week about an ecosystem. And he explained the ecosystem from his perspective. But around the science and tech piece, t- tell us a little bit more about your perspective of the ecosystem. And so our, uh, our listeners can understand that a bit more. So um, I guess from my perspective, the ecosystem breaks down into um, different component parts. Um, You've got the University of Oxford, you can't ignore it, it's quite big, um, and produces um, a lot of the uh, spin-out companies that are behind a lot of the developments that we see within sort of science and tech, particularly as they sort of scale and grow. Um, And then you have sort of uh, other clusters um, around Oxfordshire. So you've got the uh, sort of growing cluster that we see at Headington um, that includes, for example, Oxford Brooks University and, and the Hill and the Bioescalator, the Eagle Lab, um, as well as all of the um, increasingly growing, it would appear, um, developments of uh, business parks, science parks and, and labs. Um, you know, my office is in, in Botley. We're in the same building as Oxford University Innovation. And, you know, you walk down Botley Road at the moment and, uh, you know, sort of various former retail uh, premises are all being converted into, into labs. And uh, I think, you know, kind of that uh, is Oxford setting itself or Oxfordshire setting itself up to continue to support those companies as they scale. Um, One in terms of providing uh, sort of premises. Uh, We also need to look at talent and how we can uh, um, attract and retain the right talent, Um, but also funding as well. Um, You know, sort of Oxford Science Enterprises has, uh, you know, been a fairly dominant force uh, in terms of providing capital to spin outs from Oxford University. University, but actually our ecosystem is much wider than that. Um, and so there are a whole range of companies that, that need investment, um, but equally there are a whole load of in- investors who are really interested in what's going on here and, and wanting to be part of it as well. Mm. A re- re- really nice way to open the round table. Thanks for that, Nicola. Um, so just bringing the conversation a- across to you, um, continuing, I guess, under the finance umbrella, why why is Oxford such such a hotspot for, for, for this investment and and for such fast growing businesses? Why 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 Oxford? I think there are a couple of things for that, and they start they they, they sort of reinforce each other, really, Ben. So 
initially the university has been a tremendously springboard for concentration of innovation and technology development so we've got sort of world-class beating technologies coming out of the university and that then creates what's called a cluster the second thing which is a cluster effect so businesses start to come together to support that that technological growth but also because in the area you will have lots of real stars in terms of employees people who want to work within those sorts of businesses and they'll all congregate into where there is as nick was talking about this ecosystem type environment and it'll all start to attract the um, not just suppliers but also the funders and so on and so forth and then it starts to become iterative because they all feed off essentially feed off each other and you create that whole sort of ecosystem and environment within which um, these businesses can 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 develop so i think that that's those are the sort of prime reasons as far as as far as i'm concerned Fantastic. And that leads us quite nicely, Sarah, to yourself, because you mentioned in your introduction about contributing to be a brilliant place. So tell us a little bit more about the measures that you'd have to define what a brilliant place is. That's a really great question. And as you've already heard from Nicola and Sue, there isn't one magic ingredient. There are lots and lots of different things that drive the science excellence and the innovation excellence within the region. One of the first things I would say is it's around talent, around people. So without fantastic people, you don't have any companies. Uh, and this is, is really, really critical. And one of the things that we really benefit from within this region is the universities not just within Oxford, and we've got two amazing, very different universities, but both of them really contributing to the flow of people. But Oxfordshire's a lovely place, as we know, those of us fortunate enough to, to be within it. And it has a worldwide reputation. And so people want to work here. So that's great for our companies because people want to come. and. Uh, we currently employ over 12,000 people in Oxfordshire just in R&D intensive companies themselves. That's not all of the other companies that rely on that activity. Um, so that's that's the first thing I would say. Sue and Nicola have touched on the really important element associated with money. So to have great companies, you need to have really good financial backers, particularly because companies can take a long time until they sell that first product or service. If you're creating a new drug, uh, something that needs to go through a lot of research and development, it can take a long time. So you have to have people that will back the risk associated with that. Nicola talked right at the beginning about intellectual property. So ideas are absolutely key. One of the reasons that we're so good in this region is that we've got this fantastic flow of new ideas and new ways to apply science, technology, engineering, maths into solving big global problems. Um, and then... Uh, we, we really benefit from some amazing pieces of what, what we would term scientific infrastructure. So we've got 
wonderful science parks and campuses, but within them, there's real deep expertise and there are some really world-leading pieces of kit that our scientists can access as well. So those are some of the things that go to make this magic soup, if you like, uh, that allows great science to be converted into business opportunity. Amazing. No, thank you for that insight, Sarah. Um, Nicola, just, just coming back 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 to you with your legal hat on, if if that's okay. Well, half half legal hat on with, with the two-part question. Um, I, I think from past shows that Mike and I have been fortunate to, to run, um, and today is one of them, we we've seen that I guess the real um the the, the real in- intelligence and the innovation and, and all these great things coming out of Oxfordshire. But I think the thing that I think in some ways I've been quite surprised by is how much collaboration there is there and that businesses are genuinely in the ecosystem trying to help each other. Where are you seeing the line with your clients in terms of wanting to get help, wanting to share the knowledge and expertise and insight, but then equally protecting their 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 designs and protecting their innovation from a I guess a legal standpoint? point sure um so i guess again there's there's sort of different component parts to that question and um in some ways oxfordshire is a really collaborative place you have lots of people who want to work together or lots of people who are prepared to share experiences so you might have special interest groups um that that get together and that might be because they're operating in a sector it might be because they're at a particular stage in their life um it might be that there's some other commonality um sort of between the the sort of founders or between the people running those companies so for example you know sort of women in tech that type of of um arena and you will find people who who are you know really quite prepared to come together and and share experiences largely because it enables other people to learn from from you know perhaps their mistakes or perhaps things that they found that have worked well um and that's a a really sort of a a healthy thing and and a benefit um with regards to um sort of keep it keeping secrets or secret um you know there are a number of ways that you can that you can do that so a lot of the companies that that we work for have uh registered registered ip so they might have patents by way of example um or they will have you know other forms uh and ways in which they have have registered um or, or protected their intellectual property not all of it, it it can be registered um but i think there is just so much more in know-how you know these are really clever deep tech scientists that have been working in their field for years quite often and so actually it would be really difficult for somebody to replicate uh sort of what they're doing um and it's actually much more about you know bringing together the sort of shared experiences of um things around for example running companies they might have run a lab but they haven't run a company um or they might have had the benefit of grant funding they haven't necessarily come across an investor uh before who expects a return on their capital um in comparison to grant funding and so actually i think a lot of the collaboration yes there's scientific collaboration but a lot of the learning is about the translation of that and the skills and the knowledge that it takes to translate those really clever scientific ideas 
into commercially viable businesses. And there is most definitely, you know, kind of um, a significant amount of, of sort of shared learning. Sue and myself have run uh, training courses uh, for AUI and for other parts of, of the ecosystem, um, you know, all, all designed uh, to ensure that people really sort of start off, off their life in corporate life, uh, you know, kind of understanding what's involved um, and putting in place, you know, good foundations and good practices from the outset. Yeah, brilliant. That really resonates with me. And I, I love the support the three of you do offer into the ecosystem um, because that, that was certainly my observation in, as a mentor working in the sector was that you, know, you had the the experts or the, the coming out of the education world, if you like, and then how do you convert that into actually a business? And sometimes the business owner jumped into being the business owner hat, if you like doing the finance, doing the HR, doing the operations and letting go of the research and developments piece, which was obviously quite critical to their funding, et cetera. So I'm going to bring that sort of question really over to you, not just trying to sound negative about the sector, but you know, I know you're not just accountants in terms of doing the tax and all those important numbers piece. You are advisors to businesses. So, so what are the challenges for businesses right now that's sort of stopping them from starting, scaling or growing their business that you're seeing? Well, well I think there are a couple of key issues actually uh, mike technology is a given i mean there's so much technology and, and fantastic innovation that's going on within the country generally as well as within oxygen more specifically that that that's not the issue the real issue is jumping across the divide from being a concept if you like and sort of something that you you might work on within a, a research institution such as a university into a more commercialized application so in a company that's going to ultimately make money um, and to get across that to what the thing the things that make the difference there are as we've talked about very briefly earlier funding and that's becoming slightly more difficult to get at the moment because of the more global situation um, and so, you know, the issues that there have been recently may well have affected particular sectors. So if you're in life sciences and medical technology at the moment, it's less easy to get funding than perhaps it was, say, a year to 18 months ago. Um, so that, that's, you know, a key thing, because without money, you're not going to go anywhere. The other thing we talked about people. And yes, there is a concentration of very good quality people here within the Oxfordshire ecosystem. But there aren't enough of them probably to go around. And so it's about attracting people into Oxfordshire, which is what Sarah and her team are, are trying to do. Um, but it's an expensive area to live. And so I think, you know, a big challenge there is actually how do you how do you make Oxfordshire affordable to attract talent com coming in that are going to be able to progress businesses? And until recently, also infrastructure was a big problem um, because there just simply weren't enough locations within Oxfordshire for businesses to, to start out and grow and develop um, whilst and perhaps they might go into an incubator unit initially but then after that where do they go because there was a very limited amount of space and we've seen that particular part beginning to shake out much more I think Nicola was talking earlier about the wet lab space that's been being built across Oxford itself at the moment, you know, so some of the old retail parks down the Botley Road are being converted into laboratories. Clarendon Centre has got laboratories going in there. There's other investment up at Headington as well. And also the University of Oxford is um, developing um, sites as well around, around its locations to try and provide more, more commercialisable um, properties. So there are a number of challenges. Um, 
definitely the case so that businesses are surmounting those, but it is still a struggle. And I think, you know, that's where, where do we need help in Oxfordshire? We need help to unlock funding. We probably need some more funds within the city that, that, that are easily accessible, not just for university um, University of Brooks or, or, or University of Oxford um, companies that come out, but also for a wider uh, number of um, innovative businesses that come from all sorts of different sources around the city and county. Can I jump in there? I think that's a really important point because I sort of have this idea that all of the companies are coming from University of Oxford and there is a fantastic pipeline of companies that come out of that university, 20 to 25 companies a year over the last few years. But actually, there are loads of companies that come from completely different places. And uh, it's really important that we don't forget about them and that they are supported as well. So I think that's such an important point. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And Sarah, we will build on that in in a couple of moments after a song. But to choose that song, Sue, let's go back to you. Um, As as with Nicola earlier in the show, um, you have chosen a song for our listeners. So what is your song choice and why have you picked it? Video killed the radio star. Because I thought, well, we're on, I'm on radio today, so we probably probably need to think about that. Interviewing Oxfordshire's business leaders. This is the Business Brunch Podcast, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Better Mike on Get Radio. Before that, very fitting song um, by Sue. We are speaking with our three experts very much about the science and tech ecosystem in Oxford. Um, and before that song, Sarah made a really, really good point that, yes, there are um, around 25 spin-outs of, of the university each year, which which is amazing. But a lot of the companies come from very different backgrounds. So, Sarah, can you share some of the backgrounds that you've seen companies come from? But I guess um, my secondary question to that is, is there a particular trait that you see in um founders um that has has been quite consistent or is there a particular mindset or a type of business that has been really successful to your first question where do companies come from well we know we probably would recognize that for what we term an innovative company they are going to come from universities and the 20 to 25 companies that are referred to each year come through a route where the university is investing in them and is taking them through a process of of company formation. And that's a process that's usually referred to as technology transfer. There are often lots of companies that will come from uh, the university in other ways as well. Um, social enterprises, student enterprises. And of course, um, we mustn't forget that Oxford Brookes University is also um, an institution that's creating these kinds of companies. We've got lots of uh, clusters of activity going on across the region. Um, And if I just pick a couple, Harwell Campus and Cullum. So Harwell Campus has a really strong focus on health, energy, something called quantum technologies, um, and also space and satellite uh, technologies. 
And there are lots of public sector research organizations working there. And we get companies forming from um, research that is taking place there. And also, surprisingly, you, you wouldn't necessarily think about this, but companies spin out other companies. So there are lots of reasons why um, you might create a new company if you're a company already. And then there are lots of people who've just got a great idea. They might have a scientific background. They might have been working in a company, but they've been nurturing an idea themselves. And so um, they will take that forward um, in their own right. Um, Cullum, just really quickly, big focus on fusion energy, which is, we hope, going to be one of the solutions to uh, the climate crisis and, and a new source of energy in the future. Mm. And because of the scientific technologies that are being developed there, there are all sorts of new areas of science that are being developed, which create commercial opportunity in their own right. So you see companies coming from uh, places like that too. So really wide. To that question of what makes a great scientific entrepreneur or what are the characteristics? Well, um, there are there are many things that you can say. And I think, Mike, you've already touched on the fact that just because you're a great scientist doesn't mean you're going to be a great business person. And that's particularly where people like Nicola and Sue come in because they have such an important role to play working with science entrepreneurs to try and turn them into business people as well as fantastic scientists. But I would say um, one of the things that's really key is, is uh, energy and enthusiasm. Um, it's tough setting up a business and, and making it work. So there has to be a degree of resilience. And I think that the best people are those that recognize that they need help and are prepared to go and look for it as well. Um, we've, we've touched a little bit, and Nicola talked about it, the importance of collaboration. And science and business are both team sports. You can't do them as well on your own um, as I think you can with teams. So people who are very open to working with other people, um, I think, uh, are the people that are most likely to be successful. Yeah, it's great. Okay. I love that. Go on, Nicola. So I, I would just just echo that, um, you know, it is very much recognizing your own limitations. And I think um, sort of some of one of the challenges or some of the sometimes a challenge that we face is where you have an academic team. They've never failed at anything. They're very clever. They understand lots and lots of things. And therefore they think that they can, you know, sort of run a company. How, how difficult can it be to do some Excel spreadsheets for some, you know, sort of as, as for, for accounting or how difficult can it be to, you know, sort of, um, I don't know, make decisions about a company or, or that sort of thing. And I think to echo Sarah's point, one of the one of the biggest things that we see with successful entrepreneurs is those that recognize their own limitations and recognize when they need to bring in advice and the right advice at the right time. And this is where I, so this is one of my pet topics. Um, it's also where I err into danger and start talking about things I don't know, like sport, but <laughs> by way of example. Uh, so, you know, kind of the, um, the, 
Chelsea women's uh, football team uh, who won yesterday aren't just the team that's on the pitch. You know, they've also got their nutritionists and their various different sports coaches and their physios and everything else that goes with running a team. And likewise, Again, this is me talking about football, something I know nothing about, but, you know, kind of likewise, you know, I don't think the goalie would would move out and, and try and be a striker. Um, and so it's about everybody recognising at the, at the beginning what their role is going to be, where their skill sets lie, and actually, really importantly, where the gaps in those skill sets are and how they are going to fill them um, at the right time and with the right people as well one of the traps we quite often hear are founder groups who get very excited because it's okay somebody's i don't know sort of parent uncle whatever is a you know has been a director of a FTSE 100 and therefore this is going to be great because they're going to come and join their company the person who runs a FTSE 100 does not know about running a startup or a scale up. Somebody who has been involved in shipping isn't necessarily going to understand the R&D tax credits as they apply to a life sciences company. So it might sound brilliant, but actually, do they really have the skill set that you need? Um, and, you know, are they the right people uh, to put around you as you're trying to grow uh, sort of something from, you know, from the ground through, you know, various investment rounds through to exit? Love that. Love that. It really resonates with the probably the easiest mentoring role I've ever had, which was talking to a um, acad- academia who had spun out his own company, and uh, he said, "I'm getting really frustrated with these researchers. They're not as good as me. They're not as quick as me. They're not as efficient, and etc. And I'm really hating my job because I'm managing people I didn't want to do. I'm managing the finances. I said, "Well, why don't you just swap?" <laughs> probably the easiest job I've ever had. And obviously, he went back into researching and development and did it the way he wanted to do it, and then outsourced and uh, hired the people to do all the other aspects. So really easy piece for me. Um, One of the things that I really want to build on um, is about this unlocking of funding for the wider innovative businesses. And Sue, one of the things I certainly wanted to ask yourself today, so I might as well ask it now, is about SEIS schemes and how that can work on both sides of the the equation in terms of those that may have some spare money to invest in um, businesses and those that how they can actually benefit from those that do have that type of investment. So I think it's really difficult for people to find such investors. So can you tell us a little bit more and tell the listeners a little bit more about that? Yes, of course. Um, so SEIS and what's called EIS as well, so the Enterprise Investment Scheme and the Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme, were introduced some time ago by, by government to incentivize investors to invest in early stage businesses. And so there are lots, lots of rules around them, which I, I won't go into in detail. But essentially, it means that for an investor investing in a company that qualifies under either of those schemes, they get a tax break. So they get um, a tax break on their income tax in the year that they invest. But more importantly, they get a significant capital gains tax um, benefit when the business hopefully is is sold at some future future point in time. Um, So in terms of the the opportunities of that for for businesses, there are two, two things you need to think about. Firstly, do you qualify as a company? to have investment of that nature. And there's, there are various guidelines around. We've got some on our, on our website um, that tell you the sort of business you need to be in, the different criteria you need to um, fit 
with. Um, and the important thing is to, to recognise that the, the criteria you have to comply with isn't just today, it can, it's, it's for a period of years as well, and it's very easy to fall foul of that. Um, and then for the investor, they need to have, you know, put in the right amount of, of funding and um, into a company. And how, how your question, I think, was how do, how do each of them find each other? So there are a number of um, angel networks, so business angel networks around, um, and they're quite a good place to start really for an investor who's not done investment before um, to actually access one of those um, and uh, to, to, to you know, go along and see businesses profiling and look, looking funny. It's a bit like Dragon's Den. In fact, Dragon's Den sort of leveraged off these sorts of um, angel networks, really. Um, and typically, in ter terms of funding, um, businesses at this stage are looking for probably investment um, between fifty and two hundred thousand, I would say, is a good is a good sweet spot, and that could be broken down and shared amongst a number of a number of investors. For a company, if I'm advising a company, I'd say try not to have too many investors of that nature, because then as you grow and develop and want more funding to come in, it gets more challenging because you're having to negotiate with 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 many more people. But it's certainly a, an area of funding um, that is very, very useful. So the other thing I would say is that um, we don't hear so much of it um, at the moment um, are about the uh, consortia that come together in terms of, sort of virtual, the virtual funding that you go do, do online. Um, but most of those will, will be looking for SEIS or EIS type of uh, companies to invest in. One final point I would make is that these tax breaks only apply to companies. So you can't be a partnership or a sole trader um, with a great idea looking for investment and, and, and give people that tax break. Amazing. No, re really good insight. Thank, thank you, Sue. Um, it is now time for a final um, song choice. Um, so Sarah, it's your turn. Uh, let's go to you. What is your song choice and why have you picked it? Nicola and Sue have both uh, had choices, which I think will probably have people dancing around the kitchen. So I'm going to go for another one. Um, I defy anybody to stand still when this is on. And it's Groove is in the Heart by D-Light. The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, following that great song uh, chosen by Sarah. Um, Sarah, I'm going to come back back to you now um, and, and really just build on what we were talking um, to Sue about, really, about that collaboration between people wanting to get into the sector and, and people um, already being in the sector from a funding point of view. And now now I really want to talk about an insight point of view. So um, what 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 can i guess commercial businesses outside science and tech learn from the science and tech so if you're at home listening now and you run i don't know a hairdressers or a decorating firm or a, an accountancy firm that, that isn't specialist like what what can we learn from from the science and tech sector i think the first thing i would say is that um, everybody's probably facing similar issues. It's just, you know, a level of scale and maybe different perspective. Um, so we've, we've talked about some of the issues around what great founders, what great teams need to run great businesses. Um, 
and I, and I think it's the same regardless of what business that you're um, running. Um, so, so an openness to new ideas and an openness to uh, explore who are the people that can help you. But I, I would really say not, not assuming that you know everything and that there isn't an opportunity to, to challenge yourself and take your business to the next level. When we talk about science and technology and innovation, um, we're usually talking about taking some great piece of scientific insight, um, so and a, a perspective on how to cure disease or some engineering solution and thinking about how you can create some new way of doing things. And, and that's a, a type of innovation, which is about creating things that are wholly new, things that haven't been there before. I mean, I'm old enough to, to remember the time that I used to carry a phone and um, a Walkman and a camera uh, and, you know, a, a pager, etc etc and now we just do it with one device because we've had this disruptive technology of smartphones that bring everything together for you um so the question i would pose to any business is what are the things that you could be doing to bring innovation into the way that you do business so if you're a hairdresser or if you're running a decorating business you may not have an opportunity to apply new science and technology, but there may be ways in which you could embrace technology to help you uh, manage your booking system, manage your diaries. Maybe it's about a website that promotes what you're doing. It might be about using social media to share reviews about your work or share images about what you're doing. And these are often things that, that, um businesses you know surprisingly even now um just don't spend time to invest in um and uh we probably if you listen to the news and you you you'll hear lots of discussion about you know the productivity challenge that we've got in the UK and that productivity challenge is that really that question, how can we do more with what we've got? How can we do it more efficiently? And it might be about bringing in new skills. It might be about training people. It might be about embracing bits of technology. It might be about how you communicate and promote yourself. I think there's something for all businesses to think about, though. Fantastic. Well, uh, I'm sure this show could go on and on and on with the, the advice that you guys are, are very kindly sharing, but we are coming towards the end of our show and we'd love to finish the show uh, really with anything we've missed or really your top tip. So we've got a couple of minutes left. So from each of you, if we can get probably a one minute top tip or something that we've missed from today's show. Um, Nicola, do you want to kick us off? Ooh, a top tip. Um, I, I think the, the one thing that I would emphasize and I emphasize again is about knowing your limitations. Um, you know, if you want to have the true impact and, and reach the true potential that your very clever idea um, has has come up with, um, then actually what you need to do is you need to be, you know, combining, you know, sort of leadership, 
expertise and also um, de-risking your company as well. And, and the way that you de-risk your company is you understand the environment in which you're operating in, in terms of compliance, but you also de-risk it by bringing the right people on board and, and recognising where your skills gaps are. So I think that's what I, I would be saying is that, you know, if you really want to achieve um, innovation, um, true innovation, then that is a combination of, of leadership expertise and, and de-risking. Great, great tip. Um, Sue, what would be your tip for the listeners? Well, my my tip is not to, you know, if if your ambition is to grow and develop your technology-based business, two things. Firstly, accept, building on what Nicholas said, accept your limitations and the fact that you may need to bring other people in. In fact, you may need to exit the day-to-day running of the business as it develops later on if you want it to achieve its full potential. And the second part of that is that, be prepared if you want to expand your business appropriately to give away, in inverted commas, um, a proportion of your business in order to get the right level of funding into the company. And that's something that Nicola and I often see business owners very, very reluctant to do. But I would pose back the question to them. Is it better to have 20%, 30% of a business that's worth millions and millions, or is it better to have 100% of a business that you can only have the resources to develop to £100,000 worth value? Great tip, great tip. And Sarah, what about yourself? I'll continue on the theme of finance, and this is a little bit more of uh, a a, a practical pointer, hopefully, for anyone who is um, thinking about looking for angel investment, so business angel investment. Um, There is an association called the UK British Angel Association, UKBAA. Stick that into um, a search engine of your choice. And they've got a directory of angel networks on there. And it tells you what those angel networks are interested in. So sectors that they'll invest in. Um, It's a really great starting point if you're thinking about looking for angel investing um, opportunities. Um, And it will tell you a little bit about how to get in touch with them and whether there are any costs in so doing. So it's a really great resource and lots of people don't know it's there. Amazing. No, great, great way to end the show. Um, so thank you so much um, to our three guests. We've had Nicola McConville of Mishcon de Rea. We've had Sue Staunton of James Cowper Creston. And we've had Sarah Haywood of Advanced Oxford. Thank you so much to the three of you for sharing such honest insights um, and such fascination with, with our listeners. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and that's a thank you from him and a thank you from me, because again, uh, I thought I knew a little bit about the science and tech sector, but I've learned something new again today. So thank you very much. You have been listening to the Business Brunch here with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. We're back next week when we're going to be talking to Darren Owsley of Perfectly Wrapped, Emma Finneran of By Emma Finneran Interiors, and Martina Landhead of Instill Design. And we're going to be talking about all things home, kitchen and bathrooms here in Oxfordshire. And finally, that reminder that uh, you can catch the show on the radio or line each Sunday at 11 o'clock. Our podcast comes out on all the favourite platforms on a Monday morning. And then you can look out for the video format on the Get Radio Facebook page or on their website each Tuesday. 
But for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday and we'll see you next week.